0: Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org. I would call this a commissioning service of sorts all day today, and you'll understand why by the time we get to it. Um, As kids are going, I want to encourage you to grab a Bible and... uh, turn open open to Colossians 3 we're camping out there and uh if you got U version get it if you need a bible there's one in the pew there's yellow ones it's page 1082 if you need a bible and don't have one at home that one's yours take it if you're, you don't want if you have one at home let me say this and you're not using it because you can't understand it or you you, you need more help understanding the scripture we want you to take that one in this in, in, in the in the pew because there are tools and equipment there that help you learn how to pray, how to study the Bible, how to witness for Christ. And if you don't know how to do those things, you don't have a Bible that's equip you to do that, please take that as a gift from us to you because our job is to equip you, to disciple you. And that's one way we can do it. So please do that. Um, next couple weeks, I'm going to be gone because I will be in El Salvador. I'm leaving Friday morning really early. Um, but next week, you'll get to hear from Brian Weisscup, Brian, bring, the, bring the gospel next Sunday. Um, the week after that, I may be back in time, but we're not real sure, because we've got some flight things. You know how flights go, right, coming in. Before we get late back, late, back late Saturday night, but that Sunday, the 15th, Mickey Robinson will be with us. And if you guys know Mickey, he's a, he's a known, uh, he's been on History Channel, all sorts of things. He's been a, a minister of the gospel ever since um, literally dying in a plane crash. Um, hears from the Lord, gives out what God gives him. And so he will be here with us um, the, the 15th. And so uh, you can uh, please, please be here. Please invite somebody to come because of, he shares his... He's, re, he's rewriting his book right now and trying to... Um, update it and get it in some places where it hasn't gone before so you can pray about that and get some people here um i want to say thanks to our relay team relay for life we did a golf scramble yesterday had a great time Saw a great team work together Got saw some guys golf and have fun and got to got to share a little bit about jesus with some guys and it was really cool and so um i want to say thank you if you want to be involved with relay for life see kim ward or kelly garner or kyra dickerson they kind of head up our team so let's start we've been talking about the last few weeks about this resurrected life The afterlife, after we've been dead, after Jesus has raised us up. Because the Bible says we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And the Spirit of God breathed upon us and brought us to life. And verse 1 of Colossians 3 reads like this. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think think, keyword for this week and last week, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life, verse 3 says, is hidden with Christ in God. Those are all great words, but if we don't know how to carry that out, we got problems. We've been raised to new life with Christ. That means life before should look different than life after. If we were dead, dead people act differently than life people. And there should be a, a, a response uh, uh, to that life that Christ's given us. He says, set our sights high. To think on certain things. He tells us that our real life is different now. We, our real life is hidden with Christ. And today we're going to talk about those things. Last week I told you. We, we, we read from Colossians 3.16 these words. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. We should keep uh, our life filled with Christ's word always and forever. This message of Christ is the gospel. I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15. I preach from it Easter Sunday morning, and it's something that never fades away in the life of a Christian. Paul would say these words about it. It is not just a thing, it is the most important thing. And it talks about the things that make the gospel, make the kingdom available to all of us that Jesus lived, that he died, that he was buried. That he was resurrected. And if you read clear to the end of 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about him coming again, which is everything we're looking for. Our whole life is encapsulated in 1 Corinthians 15 as a follower of Christ. And he tells us in verse 58 that that, that we should recognize something because of all that. That nothing we do for God is ever useless. It's never done in vain because of those things found in 1 Corinthians 15. And so our whole life should be saturated in its richness, like Paul said in Colossians 3, in that message. If you're you're tired of that message, I really wonder something. I really wonder if you're really walking with Christ or not. If if you're sitting here right now going, I wish it was Aaron would get on with something else. Listen to me. You scare me. You know why? Because that message never gets old. That message keeps us alive. That message reminds us that grace saves us, that love conquers everything, that you know what? One day love is going to come and take us away. (sighs) And create a new home for us. There should be something that reverberates on the, in the inside of us about that message. We should fill our lives with it. Now we need to constantly ingest and digest this word. It needs. We need to be somewhere constantly eating. It's called the bread of life for a reason. Jesus was called the bread of life as the incarnate Word of God. He said, "Eat of me, and you'll learn. You'll grow." Know of me, right? He said those kinds of things. So the question now becomes, how do we do that? because' I say something else? It all has to be done out of love. Patrick attended a funeral service yesterday. And, and the, 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 the pastors, there was a couple of them that, 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 that were talking about the person who had passed away. And when Patrick talked last night, he was, very, he was a little bit frustrated. Because they talked about, you know, how uh, this person had, I made a commitment to faith, But then they get to talk about all the things he loved. And something strangely was missing from all the things he loved. He loved his RV. He loved fishing. He loved this and loved that the message of the gospel went as far as it sounds like as to get him to an altar and then it stopped. If we understand the depth of the love of Christ that's been shed toward us and given towards us, the thing that we ought to love, that should permeate everything, should be our love for our Father, our love for our God, our love for our Savior. Why do we fill ourselves up on this message? Why do we ingest and digest? Because we love him. And that's his love letter to us. The whole thing beginning to end. All 66 books says, I love you. I have great things for you. Why won't you come near to me? I want you near to me. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And it's a love letter written to us. And it should permeate everything that we do. My wife still has stupid little letters I wrote to her as as we were dating that were just little symbols. I heart you. Left underneath her windshield. Why? Because it's a love thing. She still keeps them dear to her heart. You know what? The love Christ has for me is ten times that that I have for Rachel. Why would I not want to keep that stuff dear to me that he's given to me? Man, I'm getting kind of crazy acting, okay? I'm standing here beside myself. Listen, love should... Why do we digest this word? Why do we ingest it? Why? Because we love Christ with every fiber of our being. And if we have a hard time even thinking about filling our lives with the word of God, there's a love issue missing. And I'm not trying to be mean, but we don't do things out of duty as a follower of Christ. We do things because he first loved us, and now we love him back. That's the whole deal. I read a commentary about this piece of scripture. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly richly in all wisdom. It is the personal responsibility of believers to let the truth indwell them. Here we see the importance of the word of God. If the scriptures do not dwell on the saints for example, rest in their hearts as well as their minds, they will not be able to influence us. The scriptures will not be able to influence us as the followers of Christ. Brian, they will not be able to control us or lead us to bring thoughts captive along the path of love. That's why we, 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 we fill ourselves on the word of God. So the question is this way. I want to equip you this morning. And I promised you this last week, so we're going to hit this hard and heavy real quick. How do I do that? How do I ingest and digest the Word of God? How? It's a real simple thing, and it matters not whether you're reading a book of scripture in the scripture as a devotional time. If you're doing a course of study about a particular topic, these, these four things I'm about to tell you apply to all those things. I'm not giving you necessarily a, a, a paradigm of study, I'm giving you principles by which you should study. Does that make sense? And it goes across the board. Okay, if you were at Secret Church with us on Good Friday, you heard these same things from David Platt. Okay, so it's real simple, it's, it's an acronym REAP. Okay, first of all, here, here's, here's a novel idea I have to read, I must read the scriptures, I must read them prayerfully, humbly, carefully, joyfully, confidently, consistently, expectantly. Personally, and I must memorize the scripture. Psalm 119 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There has to be a a facet of my life where I am ingesting. I am actually taking the fork, putting it in the plate, giving it up, and sticking it in my mouth. If I don't do that physically, it won't be long until you notice some differences about me. Is that true? The thing is, we think we can hide the fact that we're not digesting the thing that really gives us life, the word of God. And you know when it comes out normally? When we're not? is when the pressure is on. We've not put anything good in. We have been spiritually emaciated, and then we don't have strength to fight the battle we find ourselves in. We're not reading prayerfully. We're not reading consistently. We're not reading personally. We're, we're, not, we're not reading to, 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 as if it is the, the, the bread of life. We're not reading confidently that God's actually going to speak to us. Tim, Tim sends me something every morning, questions that make me think before I even get my day started pieces of scripture and things. I, I, I need that. I need for God to in, in, infiltrate my life. I have to get him access. And I start that by reading his word. It's the one thing that does not fade away. Emotions will come and go. The ways of doing ministry will come and go. The, the, the style of music will come and go. All that will come and go. But the word of God will remain secure. So I must read it. I must E, examine it. That means I ask questions. I'm not reading mindlessly. What does this piece of scripture say about God? What is it telling me about him? What is it telling me about me? What's it tell me about the human race as a whole? What's it tell me about the gospel? What does it tell me about how I should conduct my life? What's it saying? How, 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 how do, What's it tell me about my need for him? What does it tell me about following him? What does it tell me about trusting him? And I, as I'm reading, I should be asking these kinds of questions constantly. I should be examining, not reading mindlessly, but going, you know what, God? I'm engaging right now. I, I, maybe I should make that E, engage. I like that word better. Engage the word of God. It's alive, living, and powerful. The A is this. Once I've read, once I've asked the questions, examined, then I need to apply. You see, if I don't apply, my life doesn't change. The purpose of the Word of God is to transform lives. I can sit here and read all day. I might even ask questions about what I've read. But if it doesn't speak to me about altering the way I live, if it doesn't speak to me about how I'm doing, and if I don't take something from it and do something differently, I'm missing something. The Bible says in James 1 that we should not just be hearers of the word, we should be doers. I talked to a pastor this week, spent about an afternoon with him, who, who is a, 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 an expert in Hebrew. He said to understand what the Bible really talks about, you, you kind of really need to understand Hebrew to a certain degree. Because he said, we, 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 we believe from a Greek and Roman t- context. Greek and Roman means things have definite beginnings, definite ends. Not, there, there isn't even really a Hebrew word that equates to a word in Greek. The, Greek. the word we use for faith or belief in the New Testament doesn't even equate to the Hebrew word found in the Old Testament for the same thing. Because we believe that we can just believe. All I gotta do is believe. I'm good. The Hebrew, in in, in the way the word is made up for faith, belief, has the idea built into it of doing and faithfulness and fidelity. Do you know why we have problems with Christians who say they believe, but there's nothing going on spiritually in our life? Because they think they believe things all they need to do. There's no application. God tells me to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but I'm content to sit in my house, in my subdivision, and never share with anybody else. That is not belief, according to Hebrew. Belief means, man, this thing gets inside of me and it's got to come out. And I got to live like Jesus said live. And if he said go, he meant it. And if I trust him to know what he's doing, then I have to be a representative of that, which gets me to the next point here in a minute. Read, examine, apply. But before we get too far, because that sounds like all we're doing, the P is this, pray. I should pray as I start. Looking at the scriptures, I should pray as I'm reading the scriptures. I should pray as I'm wrapping up my time with God, whatever that is. Listen, there should be a prayer thing that says, Jesus, I need your help. You promised to send the Holy Spirit that would guide me into truth. I need your help to understand what I'm about to read. I need your help to apply what I need to grab out of it. I need your help to ask the right question. I need your, heart, your help that, 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 that as I walk away from this, it stays in me so deep that I can't help but be a different person. I can't help but share your life. So please help me right now. The word of God should permeate. I told you that word richly means extremely. Like it, 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 let's do it this way. It infects every part of your life. We get infections because our bloodstream carries things to different areas of our bodies, right? The whole the, 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 the word of God should infect every part of our lives. We should, we should, we should be doing it. The, the applied piece of this, Paul brings into kind of, kind of the focus at the last half of Colossians 3.16. It reads like this. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. That's where we stopped last week. The next piece says like this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. With thankful hearts. That same commentary I referenced before says, this is the sign of love. This part of it. Love teaches us how to talk to each other. How to cope with each other. And how to forgive. And I would add to that piece, each other. It fills the heart with God's peace. That's from verse 15. He says, this is a subjective peace. It is felt within, which is intended to rule, to govern our thoughts, to govern our hearts, to govern our lives. It's intent to rule, to act like an umpire, is one of the, of the, the translations there, who keeps us right and tells us when we are wrong. There must be no, listen to these words, there must be no racial barriers, no cultural barriers, no social barriers when love is in control. Now listen to this, love is a telling sign of regeneration. Jesus would say words in John 15, it would say this, by this would all men know that you belong to me. Why? By the way you love each other. How you love each other. And right here Paul says, let the word of God draw you richly. And then here's the, here is the content of your, your, your speech from this point on with one another. Teach and admonish each other in all wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from the scripture. Okay? Wisdom comes from, from God. Wisdom comes directly from him to us through his word. He says, teach and counsel each other. This is talking about his people, us. This is not just something for the pastor to do. This is not something for the group leader to do. This is not something just the children's ministry teachers get to do. This is not something that just people who are called upon to preach every now and then get to do. This is something he's speaking to the entire body of Christ. You ought to be in the process of teaching and admonishing one another. Each of us have something to give. First Corinthians we're about a, a, 14, we're talking about a, a gathering of believers. And he says, each of you should bring something to the table. When you gather around your dinner tables, when you gather as friends on the golf course, when you gather at, at, at work, when you gather at home, there should be something brewing about the word of God that you're just going to give away to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your co-workers, There is to be something when we find Christian brothers and sisters where something bubbles up and we can't help but talk about this Word of God that has ravaged our lives. We can't help it. It is the sign of love that we teach and admonish each other. Here's what needs to happen, people. We need to get so locked in with each other, this comes easy. But you know what I can't do? I have a hard time getting you guys to lock into a group. I have a hard time getting you to show up anytime but Sunday morning. I have a hard time getting you to do anything but, but, but what comes convenient and easy. And you know what? We can't be that way. The time is coming, man. This thing is winding down. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder to, to, to walk this walk and be who we're supposed to be. And if we don't have tight relationships and if we can't speak truth to one another, if we can't hold each other accountable, we're going to mess up really, really bad. We're going to miss great opportunities. And, 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 and uh, it, it, it's frustrating. Hebrews 10 says this, that we should not forsake assembling together. And he says these words, all the more as we see the day of Jesus approaching. Why? So we can provoke one another to love, which is what we're talking about here in Colossians 3, and good works. We're talking about in verse 17 here in just a minute. There ought to be something that draws us together. Ah. I would love watching a lot. And here's the thing. The reason we all have to do it is that I can't do it for everybody. I don't know how the church ever got off. I don't understand it because in the book of Acts, it's there. They They met in places like this and they met house to house. Can I tell you something? The preacher couldn't be in every house. And they met daily, the scriptures say. And so we're in a conflict here. I'm not trying to make you religious followers of Christ. I'm not trying to be legalistic. What I'm trying to do is lock you into some relationships that will change your life. One day, I promise you. One day, if I read the end of the book correctly, dude, it's going to get real gnarly. It's going to get real gnarly. It's going to be really dark. But the Bible says the light will shine upon those who are in right relationship with God. You read Isaiah sixty; it's a beautiful piece of scripture. I love it; one my faith. But listen, in order to be light, we have to have something to fuel our fire. And the Scriptures tell us that that the thing that provokes us to good works, Hebrews ten, talks about it over and over again that we do, we don't give up. Why? Because we're locked in relationship. We're gathering together. We're not taking off. We're not this this profession of faith. We're walking in it, and we endure until the promise comes. And I think what promise he's talking about is the coming of Christ. He's not talking about the new car. He's not talking about the new house. He's talking about Jesus coming back like he promised he would, is going to come. We need need of endurance until that promise shows up. After you've done the will of God. Why am I preaching like this? I don't know. I didn't intend to. But I know the heart of the Father burns on the inside of me. Day after day, week after week now. And I want more than anything to see every one of you become everything God wanted you to be. I want to see you ablaze with the power of God, the truth of the Scriptures, the love of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I know. It takes some real basic things for us to get there. It takes us praying. It takes us being filling our lives with Scripture. It takes us being able to encourage and strengthen one another. If we can do those things, suddenly something great begins to happen. And so uh, we need to be about that. With his wisdom, we need to understand by his spirit what, when, and how to apply the content of the word. It used to be, back when I was a kid, and I still don't get that either, we would take something like this, and we, we, the article itself would become holy. We'd never open it up. We'd for sure never write in it. And most of the days during the week, you would sit on a coffee table... As a monument to something, because it's leather and it's got gold gilded pages, it's got flowery English in it, and it never did us any good. Can I tell you that this this book, the cover, the paper, there's nothing about that that's holy. But I tell you what, the things written thereon, that is holy stuff, man. And sometimes we worship this article more than we worship the person who it's supposed to put us in contact with. And that's a scary place to be. We should reverence the word of God. We should hunger after the word of God. We should want it more than we want our next breath, more than we want our next meal, more than we want anything, more than we want to get to the ball game later this afternoon. We, we should, we should, this, this should be the, the, the bread of life that's contained in this. I ought, ought to fuel something. And so we need his wisdom. We need the spirit of God to teach us. When I should say something. How I should say something. How I should interact with you. How you should interact with me. You know what's amazing to me? The things he tells us to put off. Go back and read the first part of Colossians 3. Are all things that have to do with interpersonal connections. Anger. Malice. Slander. Go read it. It It's talking about how we treat each other. In particular how we talk to one another. And then right here he says fill yourself with the word. And the teach and admonish each other with this word in all wisdom. Know when to say, how to say, what to say. It ought to be normal for you guys to be in a conversation with someone and they go, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And you go, you know, the word of God says. And then go, let me pray with you right here, right now. And you know what we do? We do, we, we, we do the nice sounding Christian thing and we go, hey, bro, I'll be praying for you. Next week, I see Brian at church. I forgot he even told me he needed anything to be prayed about. I ain't mentioned it to nobody. I ain't said it to anyone. I'm not doing anything. You know what I do anymore? I I realize I started doing that kind of stuff. I just grab him right now. Somebody says to pray, let's just pray. I'm not missing the point. I'm not missing the opportunity. You know what I found? When I do that, somehow it locks it in in here. (laughs) Then I don't have to make a list. Then I don't have to. I just, as I'm driving down the road, dude, oh, here's Brian man, Lord, I pray that if that situation is not resolve, I pray you'd resolve it right now. Without any, without, you know, because I've wrapped my heart in love around my brother by praying for him, by speaking the word to him. I, this is where God wants us. And then what happens is, it calls the worship of God that's off the chart. It says that we have to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts together. Why? Because we're not bickering and fighting and complaining about one another. We are speaking the words of life to one another. We see good things happening in one another's lives and all of a sudden we can't help it. Psalms come up. Praise comes up. Claps come up. Out of us and out of our lives and suddenly something dynamic is happening. That same commentary reads like this. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Love makes the heart sing. Christians teach and admonish, which means advise, warn, or counsel one another, when they worship together. Hebrews 10.25. New believers learn how to live as children of God when they observe the older saints imitating Christ. Well, that's a good point. Is your life worth imitating What about you would make a younger person who are not a believer at all want to follow Christ? Why? We've got to ask those kind of questions. As we're reading the scripture, we've got to examine ourselves. Coping with the passions of the flesh and reacting spiritually when love is tested. Reacting spiritually when love is tested. Well, Those are good words. We have a hard time with that. Have a really hard time with that. Our lives should be full of the word of God. Listen to G- Jesus' words in John 15. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. You have been pruned and purified. In other words, you know what you got to be saying when you read the word of God? Ouch. My, my wife and I found a TV show on, on uh, uh, huh? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name of the thing. It's called Prison Break. Everybody seen it? Anybody seen Prison Break? It's one of those ones that leave you cliffhanging every time. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't, like, like, oh, are they going to end it there, really? But well, I don't have time to. Wa- oh, I want to watch another episode. You know what I mean? Another one of those kind of shows. There's this scene in there. I'm getting, I'm getting to a point. Hang with me, all right? There's this scene. You know how things can. You know, you've heard stories about being in prison. Some of you probably worked in prison. You know what well, things, things get pretty gnarly in there, right? There's a scene in there where this guy takes. He gets a toe cut off with pruning shears, working on one of the. the That hurts, okay? He ends up in the infirmary. You understand what I'm saying? And the Bible says the word of God prunes us. And when I read those words, I saw that scene. Ouch. There ought to be something where the scripture is, 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 is cutting things off that need to be cut off. A bad attitude. Unforgiveness. Materialism, whatever it might be, things I really like. The Spirit's going be going, you know what? We gotta cut, cut some things back here. I like being that, I like doing that. I and God's like, it's not good for you. Ouch! Ouch! We are being purified by the Word of God, it ought to in, in, infiltrate everything. Remain in me. He, he was saying, by the Word, you remain in me. My words purified you, you, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And he would say this, I am the word. When you're ingesting the word, you're ingesting me. He told the fellows that it was an allusion to communion, but communion itself is symbolism. He is the bread of life. As we eat this word, we're eating him. And we're remaining in him, and he is remaining in us, and we're connected, so we bear fruit. What kind of fruit should we be bearing? Now, here's where some people get kind of crazy. They think, okay, I have shared, click, click, I gave out that track, click, I got it. And they got those little things on like, like, like umpire's have, Click, 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 click. How many things I've done? Almost always in Scripture, fruit has to do with Character. It's not about people being numbers in your mind. It's about people being made an image of God and how you can infiltrate their lives and how your character, the love and the passion of Christ transfers from you into them. It's not about how many people show up to my house or how many times I share the gospel. It's not quantity, it's quality interaction. How many people's lives have been changed because they and I have interacted because the living, loving, powerful worship of God that's in me the spirit of God, the truth of God, the love of God, that can't help but come out. That kind of fruit, that's what God wants to see. Can I tell you something? I don't know if Garnet knows this. My, my daughter, Syria, sent me a screenshot this week. She was following one of the people from new, the relief team. There's a picture of George hugging, one of the other teams, The, the uh, new team's there, been there this week, hugging, and the caption reads, I love it when I came to work for the New York City relief bus. I get to work with a volunteer and he gives his life to Christ. George is the guy Garnet spent a whole afternoon with, that she told you about, that Sierra talked about. This week, they're hugging and this dude's beaming from ear to ear. Finally crossed the line. Was inching, 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 inching and here's why they taught us not to worry about quantities of people they taught us or they're to worry about quality interactions and if we get a chance to really spend time with someone we'll take advantage of it and watch George grow while we were there and finally give his whole life to Christ it was an amazing amazing thing he was there doing community service he didn't know it God set him up that's beautiful because the character the fruit of God is bearing fruit Man, it's beautiful. So, how do we do that? God's word, we should meditate upon it. Psalm 1, I read that to you last week. Psalm 1 says that we meditate, when it becomes our stay every day, we bear fruit in season. We don't wither. We, we are watered. The things, good things. We meditate upon the word of God. We allow the word of God to help us navigate our daily activities. And a lot of us do just don't do that. Can we be honest? We're up and out on Monday morning before we know what went on. We grab our coffee and our travel mug, we hit the car, we're down the road, we're at work, and we haven't even considered what the Word of God says about anything. We should use the Word of God to navigate everything that we do. It's important that we start somewhere with the Word of God. And I don't know what the rhythm is for your life. The rhythm ought to be this. He gets first place, Brian. Thank you for preaching for me this morning. He gets first place. I put my finances him in front of my finest. I put him in front of my relationships. I put him in front of my, my, my worst schedule. I put him in front of everything. I put him in front at the top of everything. And so the best way to do that, in my opinion, this is Paul, Paul wrote one time. This is not a command. It's a, it's a, it's a concession one place. I can't demand that you do it this way. I just know it, it seems to work the best. I said with a bunch of guys last week, talk about the word of God, they say the best thing to do with me is start right off the bat. Here's the deal. You got to make space for him. Start with the morning and then allow Him to navigate your day the rest of the day. You should use it. You should use the Word of God to handle your inter, interpersonal relationships. Every interpersonal relationship you have ought to be used in the light of the Word of God. If God says forgive, don't on it. You do it. If God says be kind, you do it. If God says love, you love. If God says shoot straight, you shoot straight. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, we, we, we consider the Word of God after something's blown up. If we would utilize it when the, when the, when the, when the situation materializes, we would not have half the, the, the relational problems that we have. But we keep, we keep pointing it off. Well, I know what the Word of God says, but I don't want to do it. I know I should talk to them. Blah, blah, blah. And you know what I found? The more I let things ride, the worse they get. That's just me. And I'll tell you what, I'm the kind of dude, I'm wired this way. I like people to like me. And I've learned, you know what? I can't make all of you like me. And so I'm done trying. I'm not just being honest. I'm going to make decisions you don't like. I'm going to do things. I'm going to say things you're like, I don't even understand what that means. And you know what's going to happen? I'm still going to love Jesus. You're still going to love Jesus. And hopefully we're going to cross the finish line together and we're going to spend eternity together. So get used to me. And I don't say that to be harsh or proud. I want to be used to you too. And I want to love you. And you're going to do things I dislike and I don't agree with. You know what? Let's get to heaven, okay? Let's do whatever it takes to get to heaven. Let's put petty things down and let's love each other like Jesus said, love each other, so the love of Christ can be seen so we can get where we need to go. Let's forgive like we're supposed to give and show the embodiment of how much Christ forgave us. Can we do that? Woo! I feel good now. I need to. Can I take a drink? Let's get on with it, right? And you should definitely be using the word of God when you have to make big, life-changing decisions. It trips me out. People ask me, I don't know if I should have done that. Well, what does God's word say? I don't know. Really? They want to say this. You probably shouldn't have, whatever it was. If you didn't use the word of God to help you make a life-altering decision, there's something wrong with you. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you didn't consider the word of God before you decided to move or take a new job. Are you kidding me? Really? Before you decided to have kids? Before you decided to go to college? Before... How did you do that? Didn't you ask him? I get all kinds. <laughs> Whew. Make use, your, use God's word. The reason you have to use God's word and ingest it for your life this is because he tells you to do something very specific. In verse 17, Let's read verse 17 together. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See, here's the problem. You can't do verse 17 if you haven't done verse 16. It's impossible. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lay some heavy, heavy Bible college education on you real quick, Okay. In the Greek, whatever still means whatever. See this this sign over here? It's here on purpose. Because we still have a hard time believing that worship is other than the 30 minutes we spend doing music at church. And whatever means whatever. Whatever you do. Making meals at home, doing the dishes. Mowing the yard, driving down the road. Getting your check cashed. Hanging out at the grocery store. Taking your kids to go feed the ducks at the park. Now you've got to the list. Whatever means whatever. Whatever you do. ESV says in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you can't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, don't do it. Ooh. If you can't do it in conference, he'd join you in the activity, don't go there. Look at your life as if you are an ambassador for Christ that you are representing him to the people you work with, the people you live with, the people you live near, the people you're interacting with at the restaurant. Oh, I used to get so aggravated. Bible college instructors. This still, still trips me out. Bible college instructors would have to spend time, we're supposed to be getting trained to do ministry, telling Bible college students to treat waitresses and waitresses, waiters and waitresses correctly because they were, they were not representing Christ well nor the Bible college. You have got to be kidding me. Really? Hearing complaints from people from from the church about how they were being being treated by other brothers and sisters. Really? Really? I got in a real queasy situation when we were in New York, honestly. We were there one night eating at a restaurant, and a couple of our team started getting really kind of uptight with the waitress. And I thought, wait a minute, we got like 16 people here, man. We don't know what kind of day she's had. We don't know what she's gone through before we got here. I don't know they didn't do things exactly the way we wanted them to, but and he give this lady a break. Oh, come on. Everything I do, even when I go out to eat and how I eat it and the attitude I have when I eat it, reflects on Christ. I should be an ambassador for him, whatever I do. The service of love, same commentary. The work of Christ must be done in the manner of Christ. Believers are to live and act as those who bear his name and must do nothing that would make them ashamed to say they are Christians. This is a principle to live by. Whatever you do, whether at home or at work, in the church, or out and about... This sense of duty must be accompanied with a sense of gratitude and note of praise. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks declares the gratitude of grace and the praise of peace. Whew. Christian sanctification is this: it's personal, it's practical, it's powerful, and it's progressive. I realize we haven't got it all, all together yet. But you know what? We're working on it. You got to eat so we get done here? I hope you treat that waiter or that waitress with every bit of grace. And gratitude and generosity you got inside of you. I hope they walk away going, dude, that was a great interaction. And I know I didn't give them the best service they could have gotten, and they still treated me great anyway. I know I was distracted, and I know I didn't have a really good attitude, but they treated me better than anybody's ever treated me. Ought to. Ought to be that. Whatever means anything, everything. Representing him, 2 Corinthians 5, you can read there, verse 17 to 20. He says these words in verse 20. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And our lives and our actions all say the same thing. There's a sign out there. I didn't even tell Dan Josie to put that one out there. I gave him a list of things he could put on the sign. He, come in, he just comes and changed them at will with a couple of his kids. I didn't know what's going to be on there, but I don't know if you read it today. It talks about let, 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 let more than our lips Speak the gospel, basically what it says out there right now. And now he didn't know what I was going to preach on the day. We didn't, we didn't discuss it. I gave him a list a few weeks ago of things he could put up on the sign. That was it. I was going to pick one every other week and throw it up there. God's trying to get a message across this morning, ladies and gentlemen. 1 Corinthians 10 says this. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, there it is again, do it all for the glory of God. This will change what you eat and drink sometimes or how much. you know what? We're really quick to jump on the guy who might have a glass of wine at dinner. And we will load the plate up 16 times. And where's the moderation in that? Ooh. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God, he says. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I, don't do. I don't do what's just best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. And he goes this, verse 11. And you should too. You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Ouch. Pruning. He says, the scriptures tell us to keep thanking him and let thanksgiving come up to him because of us. Thanksgiving should not just come out of a life that has dwelt in his word. It should come out of a life that has worked with his word in his world. Let me say that again. Thankfulness should not come only out of a life that has dwelt in his word. It should come out of a life that has worked with his word in his world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, Psalms would say. You should, you should honor him with your lips. Therefore, her Hebrew says, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Lips. How about this? Lips and service, not just lip service. I just thought of that. That's new to me. I should write that down. Somebody tweet that real quick so I can capture it later. Not only with your lips, but with your life. Romans 12, Patrick. You didn't know I was going to go here, did you? We haven't talked about it. Romans 12. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Out of gratitude. Out of love. Not out of duty. Not because you have to. Not because the preacher's up front screaming and sweating and spitting. Drinking water in front of you. Always done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. Truly, this is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior of the world and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let your mind be filled with the word of God, right? In all its richness, all its fullness. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Jesus would write these words. He says, keep being salt and light. Listen to this. You are the salt of the earth, but what, what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and tread underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Whatever you do, do as representative of the Lord Jesus. That will change how you text message. That will change how you talk on the phone. That will change emails you send. That will change all of that stuff. That will change social networking things that you do. That will change a whole bunch of stuff. That will change how you talk to people at work, and how you talk about your boss. It will change how you talk about your spouse, maybe. It will talk about. How, it will change how you interact with your I don't know in laws. It will change how you. I mean, it, you go down the list. It will change how you parent. It will change. It will change everything. And that light of Jesus will emanate like a beacon in the night. It's like cell towers, you know, those lights flashing right sending out a signal communicating something about the person and the work of Christ let the word of god fill your life let it change your meditation let it change your navigation let it change your relations let it change your decisions let it change everything let the work out of that word fill your life let me ask you a question. Are you right now living as an ambassador for Christ? Are you? Do your neighbors know? Do, 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 do your coworkers know? Do the people in your family see Christ? I, I was going through a drive-thru earlier this week. Stopped to get, a, to get a coffee, of all things. Usually I go in. I didn't go in. They kept me the drive-thru. And the manager and the, the girl who usually works the window is like, hey, why don't you come in there? I don't have time. I'd love to come in. And the manager goes this. Hey, you're a pastor, aren't you? Yeah, 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 I am. Where is your church? I said, out on 180. He said, out past the day and all of it. Is Is it that one with the American flags hanging out there? I said, that's it. He said, I live out there. He said, I said, Well, you ought to come see us. He says, I think I should. And the girl from inside the window does this exact thing. She goes, there's... Remember, I asked you that question before, and I said, yes. I remember having this interaction outside the drive-thru window. Tuesday morning. Okay? And the crazy thing about this interaction is I don't usually... That's not normally my routine on Tuesdays. I had one other routine. I I was out of my normal routine. I just happened to be there. Okay? She goes... Remember, I asked you, there's something different about you. And I don't say that. I mean, I, I, Brandon, I heard that. And I'm not sure how to process it yet. But here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that because I want you guys to go, oh, dude, he's so holy. So... No, listen, that's, we, all of us, you, me, everybody, I'll be having those interactions over our back fences. Over with the people we interact with, paying our bills or doing whatever, when they see us coming, they're like, okay, they come again? I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on with them, but, dude, I want some. I don't know. I wasn't even looking for it. I just wanted coffee and some Timbits. That's all I wanted. And the reason I stopped, honestly, because I got a hard time with the pastor meeting last time, that I didn't bring some. So I'm completely under guilt. I pull into Tim Hortons, even though I wasn't going to, got some Timbits and a coffee, and all of a sudden, I'm in this holy moment suddenly. Why? Because I want, I, def, I, I call out to God, God, let me be a good ambassador for you today. Let me be a good, somehow, someway, let me, let me exemplify Christ in some capacity. Please, Jesus. I don't want to be just a professional pastor. There's plenty of those. In the world. I don't want to be one of those. I want to be a guy who follows Christ with all my guts. And I want people who are walking in life with me, because that's how I see it. I don't see me up here and you down here. I see us walking on a journey with Christ together. That's what I see. I want, I want to see us be, be the light that the grace and the truth of Jesus comes along with us, man. Whew. Sweeps over people. Okay. Let's ensure that praise comes to God our Father because of how we live. Some of us need to commit ourselves today to live as ambassadors. Some of us need to commit ourselves today to filling our lives with the richness of the word of God. Some of us need today to be more determined to be not just a mere volunteer at an agency to be the example of Christ there at that place. We need to be more than just a neighbor. We need to be the extension of the hands of Jesus to the people who live near us. We need to be more than just, just a person who frequents a grocery store. We are there to bring Jesus to the grocery store. We are not there to do, just do normal things. We are there to do supernatural, abnormal things that nobody else does. That's why we... Are, and so today, I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. I want you to process the place of the word of God in your life. I want you to process right now the activity you will participate in. I want you to think about your whatever and it can be whatever. I want you to ask yourself, is my life filled with the richness of the gospel, the message about Christ? Is my life being lived as an ambassador for him? Does that mean I'm perfect? No way, man. No way. You won't be either. I want you right now. Maybe some of you need to make a a note in your phone or on your iPad or on a piece of note and say, okay, Jesus, we're starting this today. I'm going to be an ambassador. I'm going to dig into the word as soon as I get home. I'm going to ask those questions. I'm going to begin to apply. I'm going to do that right now.